Welcome to Transmissions from the Evil Lair, the official podcast of the Brotherhood of Evil Geeks. going on evil geeks this is a brand new episode of transmissions from the evil air i am introing here i'm cmart and with me undies of wendy uh, we just did this like a show intro i just realized not really yeah like an intro very weird it was like very very eager to introduce the show we have a good show for you today we have a good show for you every week but uh if you're uh if you're into just kind of geeking out well we have a great show for you today uh today we have uh joining us for the first time uh christopher frank who was uh, one of the people behind the Flower City Comic Con. We're really looking forward to Flower City Comic Con. Uh, we will be there. Uh, both Evil Geeks, two of us, hanging out, doing some cool stuff. So make sure you keep an eye out for that. Uh, and that is May 20th and 21st of uh, this year. That is 2017. Uh, but you'll hear the details again while we're uh, talking in the podcast. Uh, we talked about the con a little bit. It's our first, or second, sorry, second year con. Second year con. Uh, so they're still kind of, uh, you know, getting the feel of things. Uh, we also talk about uh, their podcast, which you, go, which you should go check out, uh, Monkey Business. Uh, again, go check it out. Uh, but again, you'll hear more details in the interview. Without further ado, let's just jump right into it. Uh, this is Transmissions from the Evil Lair. With Christopher Frank. What's going on, everybody? This is Transmissions from the Evil Lair. I am Seymour, of course, and joining me here... Undies of Wendy. Uh, we have a very special guest joining us today. Uh, I think it's been a while since we've had anybody on. We've been like, yeah. like talking to each other just and Big Evil lately. Yelling at Big yeah. Evil about just Disney. Just three nerds <laughs> locked in a room, yeah, yelling about stuff they don't like anymore. Well, it's a good thing that you're actually yelling with people in the room, otherwise folks are going to think you're talking to yourself, and that's just bad. Exactly. <laughs> uh, joining us today, we have, uh, is it Chris or Christopher? I'm sorry, I should have... Uh, Chris is fine. Chris, we have Chris Frank, uh, one of the minds behind Flower City Comic Con, uh, which is going to be coming up very soon, I believe, in another couple months, right? Yep. May 20th and 21st of 2017. All right, so you've got, you've got time to plan, uh, you know, book a hotel, get on top of all this stuff, because this is going to be a pretty, de- uh, excuse me, pretty, like, pretty awesome show. Like, uh, uh, you ever, like, a really, well, we'll get into, we'll get into the guests a little, a little bit down yeah. the line. I don't want to give away, you know, the horse. You don't want to, spo- no spoilers yet. Yeah, no yeah. spoilers, no spoilers. As a matter of fact, I just brought up my own website just to remind myself of the details. <laughs> So, what, it's good. What are we doing? What are we doing? I don't know. We're doing um, a con thing. Yeah, I know. It's going to be our it's going to be our second show. Uh, the first one was in April of 2016, and, and we were just blown away at the response. We were, we were expecting, to be honest, I think we were, we were expecting maybe about 1,000 people, uh, and we doubled that easily. Yeah, that's not, I mean, for like a first-year show, like you always expect the first one to be like, all right, it's probably not going to be great, but maybe it'll be better than I'm expecting. Well, let me tell you, as as far as first shows go, I've been to a lot of first shows, uh-huh. and this one, I'm I'm honestly going to say, it went off pretty much without a hitch. Oh, thank you, darling. I'm glad I'm glad you said that. That's I think that's the most important thing to me is that the people who who were there 
think that it went off without a hitch because there were there were some serious hitches in the background that we were but we did our best to make sure that nobody really knew them it didn't affect anything that we were we were communicating with each other the crew was all oh, my volunteers were amazing uh everybody was right on point we knew how to talk to each other we knew how to solve problems and it just it really made a difference the people who came to the show were like oh yeah it was amazing and we're like thank you you didn't see us panic that's awesome <laughs> you couldn't tell the panic behind my eyes exactly but, um, yeah, no, as far as volunteer crew, I will say that Flower City Comic Con, definitely some of the friendliest people I've ever worked with. And I appreciate that. I guess it's because you guys are up there towards Canada, so it's like you guys are, like, almost Canadian. <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're all Canadian through osmosis. As a matter of fact, I tell people I have a branch of my family that are all in Canada. Uh, my, my, my dad's younger sister married a hockey player way back in the day, and so there's this whole branch of my family is Canadian, and uh, and they've had a, a wonderfully positive influence on me over the years. As a matter of fact, I, I, I just had to go to therapy to not say A as much, but... Um, <laughs> Other than that, we're no, we're in good shape, you know, and and um, and I'm really I'm excited about the the attention it has gotten because the attention has been vastly positive, and and just hearing from you guys especially has been just wonderful. And and undies, I I, I want to say this so that your listeners hear it, okay? You were amazing. Aww. I mean, we, we were lost. See, through oh, scheduling oh, conflict, through, through nobody's nobody's fault. We ended up being the same weekend as the local cosplay anime convention, Toricon, at RIT. And so we knew that a large portion of the cosplay community in Western New York was probably going to end up there because that's the established show. They were going to be there. So we didn't so much write them off, but we really didn't go out of our way to really work the cosplay angle. And we knew we wanted to do something, but we were lost in the woods. We had no clue. And then, and then undies came in and you were freaking brilliant. I mean, it was like you just rolled your sleeves up. You didn't, it didn't have a problem with it. You just rolled in and took over. And that was amazing. And we are so very grateful for that. Thank you. And I will say though, like as far as cosplayers wise, yeah. you guys had some really great costumes out there. Like have a great turnout. I was very pleased. I, you know, I was expecting it to be really kind of like that one piece that was missing, but then the folks who showed up, uh, there, it was just, it was, I was impressed. Like the big guy, like I'm a tall fella. I'm six, five myself. The dude, that like warrior looking dude. The, you know where I was going with that. I, I That's knew so, exactly who you were talking about when you said oh, the he was. Awesome. He was so in character the entire time, and and he at one point, my daughter who is like this poor little thing. She's five three. She's fifteen years old, and she's five three. And she comes up to me. She's like, Dad. You know, did you see the big scary? And he's standing right behind her when she's saying this. And she's like, Dad, did you see the really big scary guy? And I go, No, I didn't. I'm playing it up with him at this point. And she goes, He was, that was a really amazing costume. I, I hope I just don't see him again, though. He scared me. And she turned around and he's right there. He goes, Hi, little girl. And it was all over. She's running for the. <laughs> I believe that uh, that guy dubbed himself my underworld husband. As yes. well, so I guess you'll have to fight him when we go back. Uh, I'm good. I'm um, good. Just, like, <laughs> I can relax, yeah, relinquish underworld rights. He literally was like, "Do you want to come run the underworld with me?" And I was like, "Yes." Like, is that a question? Like, just a trick question? Yeah, literally, of course. Um, yeah, no, but it was a great time. Uh, good, so, good. Uh, do you want to talk about kind of how you guys started with Flower City? Like, where did it? What's I'd your love- origin story? The origin story. Oh yeah, I mean, especially they're making comic books of this at this point now. Um, it, you know, the the thing is, is that none of us are promoters. None of us were professional conventioneers. Um, you know, the the core three that have been on the the program the longest uh, would be Dan Carmen, who's our our company president, myself, who's vice president and executive director, and then my friend Tanya Metris, who you um you met undies. Um, and we've been with it the longest. We've had you know 
nine board members, three board members, five board members, six board members, but it's always been the three of us kind of the consistency. And we, we had volunteered for a, a different show a while back, kind of got the, the, the itch to try it. I mean, there was, there was a lot we felt we could do differently and, and, but we kind of pocketed that idea. So it kind of faded by the wayside. And then, I think Jesus, about three years ago now, um, we got together one day and we were just kind of chewing the fat. We were hanging out with our families and whatnot. And the three of us got to talking and then we brought some friends in. And at one point there was like 12 people around the dining room table at Tanya's house. And we're like, you know what? Let's just throw it out there and see what happens. You know, at the very least it's a learning experience. You know, we have a good time. We'll throw a good party. And, and that right there has been the mantra that we've tried to stick to the most. We're not building a business. We're not trying to make a ton of money we want to throw a really good party that's been the the thing that we always kind of stick to the most because if we can keep that that feeling like we're, we're throwing a celebration yeah that- I, I was gonna say i think like a lot of like with cons today a lot of people get obsessed with either focusing on the guests or the cosplay like exactly. i think that, that what, gets, what gets lost is the thing that's most important is having everybody who's there have fun like you can have exactly. an amazing con with no guests. I mean, yeah, you can't spread yourself too thin in any one area. I agree because I think that's that's a lot of the conventions that we've been to. I mean, we go to like twelve a year probably, and wow, that's cool. The one thing that like we see repeatedly is uh-huh. when a convention like kind of sinks itself. It's because they're putting too much emphasis in one specific area. Yeah. I think that's really important to divide it up. And that's yeah. sorry, go ahead. Sorry. No, and I was just saying, that's another one of our mottos, our, our, our catchphrase slogans, whatever, is where it all comes together. So we want to bring a little bit of everything, because we don't want to be a specific kind of convention. You know, I mean, I have I have my preferences. I've been a Doctor Who fan since I was seven, eight years old. So, I mean, you throw me in front of Doctor Who references, and I'll just, I'll, I'll soak that in for a day. But <laughs> is that what everybody else is into? No. So you want to make sure you have something for everybody, and, and, uh, and everybody's having a good time. And now Dan, uh, to keep referring to him, he's been... A diehard Disney fan for as long as I remember, and this he and I have been friends for almost thirty-two years at this point. Um, so I know that he has been a Disney guy all his life. When he finally, when he and his wife started having children, I knew what was going to happen, and it was like he would take them to Disney. I think it was just as an excuse that he would be able to go himself. <laughs> that but, um, kids, you know, mostly. but but the Disney the Disney theme, the Disney mantras uh, are what we teach our volunteers and our staffers. You know how to treat the customer, how to make sure that the patrons are being handled. You know, no question is answered. I don't know. It's like, let me get that answer for you. You know, the simple things that you know you're relating to people, that you're handling it on a professional basis, but you're also making sure that people understand they're not just there to spend their money. They're there to have a good time. And if they're having a good time, that means they're going to come back. They're going to tell more people. So the, so it, it goes all the way back to the field of dreams. If you build it, they will come, you know. So I'm not worried about success. I just want to make sure that people are having a good time. Yeah. I was going to say, another thing, like, I hear it a lot, too, like, because when we go to a lot of cons, so I hear, like, Mm -hmm. you should start your own con. Oh, yeah. I know that, like, that feeling of terror and dread that just instills in me, like, thinking about (laughs) doing that, so that, like, I can only imagine getting over that hurdle and actually just doing it, like. Yeah, no, I literally, I give people who run conventions so much credit, like, you know, either way, um, they are working their butts off. um, Oh, yeah. for, For not a lot of, you know, for not a lot of you know, feedback and, you know... Not a lot of payoff to it. Yeah, not a lot of payoff, exactly. They're just just doing it. And, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes, like, people don't even realize, like, who you are and, like, what... 
how these people come together to make something like this. So Exactly. And and I'm really thrilled our our crew has been getting steadily larger and larger. Uh so departments within the company are now forming. You know, like I used to be a generalist. I would do a little bit of everything. Dan was doing a little bit of everything. Tanya was doing a little bit of everything. You know, Brian and Deanna, they were doing a lot of everything. Um you know, but now we're starting to kind of niche ourselves. Like I handle panel schedule and I'm going to be the volunteer coordinator for the 17 show. Dan is our overall, you know, grand leader. So he keeps an eye on everything, but he's not really worried about micromanaging. You know, Tanya has been our VIP liaison. Brian has taken over the vendor floor. Deanna does a lot of the marketing and publicity. So everybody's kind of doing their own thing. So the more we've been able to pull back and focus on our different stuff, the easier it's, it's gotten harder in the respect that you want to do your job better but it's gotten easier that you don't have to do everybody's job you know that kind of a thing so yeah, that's, yeah. that's the benefits you have when you come back to a convention after the mm-hmm. first year um, communication and organization are clutch yes all good things um yep. i did hear I, I think i heard this i'm not sure if i'm wrong correct me that okay. you guys were trying to go in the direction of non-profit as well we, yes that is that's correct we are working on that right now um we need to hear from new york state which runs at congressional speeds um yeah. you know and and that's a process and we're making sure that all the i's are dotted and t's are crossed there because we want to be very careful about that uh so that nothing we don't do the wrong thing and, and blow it or somewhere along the line but it's i definitely think it's going to open up some great opportunities for the show um because it's going to make it a little bit more accessible to like companies for want to do sponsorships and things like that and and we've we've struck up a great relationship with autism speaks uh and so it'd be great to be able to do that kind of charity work we also have a variety of other uh charities that we want to work with too so this is this is kind of our way of making sure that fc3 is is not just a great party but it has it's a great contributor to the community that's that is a member of yeah for sure that's that's awesome um did I mention I'm the one who talks the most? I think you. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of that, you guys do a podcast as well, right? Yes, we do. We have Monkey Business. We've um, we've been doing that for about two or three months now. Uh, we release a new episode every Wednesday. When do you guys usually release yours? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, we uh, we tell people we aim for every Monday. Okay. Um, usually, it's every other Monday, and Monday usually turns into Wednesday a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically when is Seymour going to edit it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. You know, I'm willing to admit that it's, it's mostly on me if you know if we miss a, a week or here, you know here and there. Um, but it's uh, you know it's all the fun of podcasting, blending you know real life responsibilities with like you know the fun stuff that you want to do. Oh, I know. We we get together every other Sunday. We get together and knock out, try to knock out two or three episodes so that we have uh, anything in the hopper, just in case we're busy, in case we miss a Sunday to recording or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I remember those days of being militant. Like every Monday, we're gonna have something out. I don't care what it is. <laughs> we used to have everybody at your apartment too, but then we got to the point where it's like, do we really want all those people at our house? Yeah. And we have to them out and I gotta get up for work and yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know how that feels. You know, that, that, I think that's the plus side for us in terms of scheduling is that we all, we all have been adulting for a little while. So we were able to fit this into our schedule because we're already figured out how to deal with the kids and how to deal with that and how to deal with the other things. So I, I guess it's a, it's a small advantage to already be in the adult world. But I wish I was with you guys. I really do. <laughs> I don't want to adult anymore. I'm tired of adult. Adulting is hard. Um, if I could just get rid of all these uh, responsibilities and stuff, like I'd be great. Like, yeah, we could just yeah, do no, calls all the time. That would be I, awesome. I tell, I tell my boss all the time at my real job. I, you know, I say this job would be easy if it wasn't for all the people. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, muggle jobs are hard. 
<laughs> Thank you, Muggle Jobs. I'm going to write that one down. I have to. Re- uh, but yeah, we've got monkey business. We've, we, I think we've let out about, I want to say 10 or 11 episodes at this point. We've got five in the hopper scheduled uh, to come out yet, and we try to record a couple every other week. So, you know, we're, we're doing there. We're not at the lofty heights of a buck 76 yet, but we're, we're making our way up, up there slowly. <laughs> um, what are you guys talking about? Mostly like about the con or just, you know, just kind of, you know, in, in general, like geek culture? Uh, yeah, basically general geek culture right now. I mean, the first two were basically our, our talking about the convention. And in the near future, we're going to start talking about the convention a little bit more as we start getting ready to display it. We want to try and get more information out so people know what to expect with the 17 show. Um, but we do have a lot of chats about random stuff. Uh, we've been doing a layer of, um, of what we've been calling the foundation chats. You know, so a half an hour about Star Trek, a half an hour or so about Star Wars, a half an hour or so about Doctor Who and things uh, like yeah, that. Yeah, nice. Yeah, we definitely did those when we, uh, when we yeah. started out. You, you kind of have to, like, feel around a little bit and feel like where your strengths are, like, talking about stuff, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, if we, you know, like, you know, like, you said Doctor Who, like, okay, I can go back to Doctor Who and keep talking about that more if I need to, like. Oh, I know. I could talk for days about Doctor Who. I, I'm, I'm, that's where I power nerd is my, my Doctor Whoing. Actually, we haven't done a Doctor Who show in a very long time. Hmm. Well, if I you need help, people... let me know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, basically, you could just do one with. I just call up all the Chris's I know because we've got Chris Jones, who's obsessed with Doctor Who. We got Chris nice. who loves Doctor Who. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, that's you know that was funny when we first came up with the convention. I I was actually hesitant to sign on. Uh, and I don't know if Dan and Tanya will actually ever tell you the story, but we were going back and forth, back and forth, and I'm like, ah, I'm wishy-washy. I don't know if we should pull that trigger. It's a big thing. It's a big thing. And they're like, yeah, it's a big thing. Maybe we shouldn't do it. Yes, we're going to do it. No, we're going to, eh. And then all of a sudden, Tanya looked at me, and she goes, hey, would you give you a chance to run the Doctor Who panel? Literally, my, I, I said, I'm in. <laughs> it was, I, said, I signed on right there in the moment. I'm in. Okay, I'm done. Let's go. Where, where do we start? You know, I get to talk about Doctor Who for a couple of hours. Yay, I'm in. Uh, now imagine how much I'm geeking out. One of my guests is Colin Baker this year. I was going to say while we're on that subject, Doctor. There you go. I am. I'm totally. I'm totally nerding out now. Of course, of the 13 men to have played the Doctor on television, I have met one of them already, and it's the same guy who's coming to town in May. Oh, so it's, really? Wait, all right. I've already met Colin Baker. But it's okay. He's a nice guy. I'll meet him again. It'll be fun. Uh, I am. I'm regretting not getting a uh, Matt Smith pick at Comic Con this past year. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah we should no. we should have just done that group pick. Um, I don't know what why we didn't, but <laughs> well, hopefully I can make that 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 happen for you someday. That's that's definitely on the dream list. Is is him? I'm for Colin Baker. Hey, I mean, come on. There you go. I mean, they're all cool. I, I I like them. I like them all. And you know, of course, if we could ever get like a video chat going with Tom Baker, then that would be like, oh my god, uh, yeah, the Whovian, like you know, Nirvana that's the right there. Rail. Yeah. <laughs> Huvana or Nirvana? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a main line to the Mother Tardis. Like, <laughs> totally weird though. I will say for our listeners that um, huh? I was watching the Doctor Who Christmas special, and there yeah. was a superhero character who remarkably looked a lot like Chris Frank. Where I had yeah, to... I remember you Facebooked me that though. I was laughing. I didn't even think of that. I, I didn't even did a double mind. take. I'm like, that looks like Chris Frank, and I literally that is like, so oh, cool. I, uh, I, we haven't gotten the chance to talk about that with anybody. What did you uh, What did you think of the Christmas special this year? I, I personally thought it was amazing. Like, yeah, I thought it was one of their better, the best ones. Just kind of like yeah. marrying like the Doctor with comic books. Like uh, I enjoyed perfect. it. I really did. I enjoyed the stuffing out of it. To be honest with you, I mean, they're they're. It, 
in in this day and age, with everything being a global cultural phenomenon, like Star Wars is all around the world, Doctor Who is all around the world, Star Trek all around the world, it's it's going to be impossible to make something that's perfect for everybody. You know, there's always going to be somebody who's like, oh, I didn't like that. And and I'm I'm listening to these naysayers popping up. Oh, well, that was lame. That was lame. But I just I just enjoyed the absolute hell out of it. It was so fun to watch. It, for me, watching Capaldi's evolution. From his first few episodes to his more recent ones, you know, where he's, he's kind of like, he's that, that perfect throwback to the classic series. And, uh, and to see how he's just kind of doing more and more that's just funny. It's, it's, yeah. it's just, to, you know, watch him. He's sitting there in the hallway next to the reporter with the sushi. You know, he's like, yeah, I brought snacks. I'm a professional. What do you want? You know, it's, they run down the hall and like he's still eating the sushi as he's running. Yes, as he's running. I'm like, how do you do that? That is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I love him. I love the whole grumpy old doctor aesthetic. Yes. Well, yeah, I was yeah. Say, like, he, you were saying he's like a throwback to the older like doctors. Like, he is a stern, serious guy, but yes. we're starting to see like cracks forming in that. Like, the whole thing where at the, at the end where he's like, I'm alone. Like, I was like, he's kind of like freaking out over like, he's finally like, Kind of like free, letting himself like freak out a little bit over uh, Clara's death, like right. I think well, that was a, a little great bit of, scene. You see a little bit of nine and ten showing through when he does that, and then there are times where he's that's there are times where he's number one, and yeah. then there's times where he's number four, and then there's times where you can see seven. You know that silly kind of whimsical clown in, in two and seven, and then there's a time where he does the heartbreak and he's channeling nine and ten, and you see all of you see that, and that's the great thing about the actors who have played the Doctor in the new. The new version is yes, they've been different from each other, and and yes, that they have that different take, but they're all they're able to adhere to that core. So you can see it's absolutely the same man from person to person to face to face, and and I just I think Capaldi has done just a brilliant job, and and I got to agree with you, Andy's. Seriously, this Christmas special was top, absolute top, one of my favorite of them all. I have to say, I was uh, maybe I'm a bit like too much of a Moffat cynic at this point, but I was. So expecting him to like rip our hearts out at the end of that, like I'm like, you know, going to happen. Like somebody's going to die. Like he's going to have to give up his superpowers and like sacrifice his life to die or something. Like, yeah, literally, like, you were just like everyone's going to die. That's what's going to happen. There's, there's no way this ends happily. Like. Yeah, I'm sitting. I'm sitting on the uh, in my big chair in the in the living room because I'm I'm an adult now and I have one of those. <laughs> and then the, my kids are sitting on the you know the couch next to me. And he, you know, and and the, we're just watching this. And, and my boy. Who's gotten used to this? I've been my boy's fourteen now, and he's been watching the show since its inception. So, little did he understand it at the beginning? No, but he's in it now. And he and he looked at me. He goes, "Who wrote this one?" I said, "Moffat." He goes, "People are gonna die." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we were waiting for that. We were disappointed, but happily, you know. <laughs> yeah, like literally, it was over, and I just like exhaled, like, "Oh my gosh!" Everybody, Everybody survived. It was great. <laughs> I think maybe uh, they. They wanted to give us a little break. It's Christmas, and uh-huh. Clara just died. Oh, no, no. That, that, it, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah, it does not uh, save a us. Break at Christmas break. time. Let me just ask you about how many years does the night last on Derillium? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, that was pleasant. <laughs> you know, I'm sitting here, 46-year-old man at the TV going, Okay, so yeah, you got me. It's Christmas, and I'm crying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks for those feels. I Screw you, Moffat! <laughs> <laughs> Curse you, Aqua Scum! Um, but yeah, I uh, I hope I really really hope that Capaldi sticks around at least for like another season or so. Like yeah, no, I was really just like I'm starting to like actually like 
get, get used into to them. them and like love yeah. them, and then I feel like that's when they always switch it up. It's like that's it's, that's the cycle of Doctor Who. That right there is is a, the cycle of Doctor Who. The new guy will show up, and everybody's like, "Eh, I like the old guy," and then halfway through, you're like, "Okay, yeah, he's all right." And then by the end, just getting towards the end, oh, I love this guy; he's the best. And then he regenerates. You're like, "No, no regeneration, no stay." And God, that is going to be heartbreaking. It is. It always is. It's supposed to be. And as I mean, I don't have you know massive sources yet because I've only been in this business for about three years now. But uh, the people who are talking to us, booking agents and whatnot, are telling us that it's most likely confirmed. And then you know, there's always that gray area when most likely is used. But uh, it looks like Peter's going to try and stick around for Chris Chibnall's first season as showrunner. Yeah, uh, so I heard that also. They were kind of like yeah, they they were figuring he was going to leave when Moffat leaves, and there was like a lot of talk like earlier this year, like. Basically because, like, you know, when you had, like, David Tennant and you had, like, Matt Smith, you mm-hmm. had, like, you know, basically teen girls flooding Tumblr with oh, God, the yeah. doctor every day. Like, you don't have that now. Like, they're not flooding them, you know, flooding the internet with pictures of Peter Capaldi. Uh, <laughs> so, I don't know what side of Tumblr you're on, but yeah, they are. Not to the extent... But, yeah. I don't know, maybe I just follow really awesome people, but... Pete, um, Peter's, I think he's got a different demographic, and, you know, the... the that was something we brought up. Mid-30s people, like, yeah, mid-30s, yeah. Like, exactly. <laughs> but we brought this up, actually, during the Doctor Who panel at the 16 uh, show this past April, um, where people were like, they were upset because, well, he's too old. And I just stare at those people because I'm like, you're obviously not a true fan. You don't know the whole history of the show because you're used to what's going on. And that's fine. I respect that. That's okay. I'm not slamming those folks. But I'm like, you got to open your mind to possibilities. And here's the thing. You had David Tennant followed by Matt Smith. These two young, dashing, bounding around guys. And even Chris Eccleston before that, you know, to a particular degree, was a younger fella. But you, know, you keep casting young actors and you keep getting them younger and younger. Then what, what are you doing? You're almost going to create a rut and the, that's not what Doctor Who is all about. The, the, the yeah, regeneration is CW show, guys. It's, like, uh, thank you. Oh my god, I couldn't have said it better. Oh man, that was the that was the, yeah, the shot. But looking. at the same time, it's like you know they're dashing guys, but like literally, I think Peter Capaldi is dashing as fuck. Yeah, I love him. Like I would literally like I could eat him with a spoon. He's gorgeous. <laughs> he's just like so like intense and like just furious, and, like fierce. Yeah, you know? I just like I you know listen, hey. He could take me anytime. I really don't give a fuck. Let's oh, his, his his speech in the the Zygon inversion, you know about oh, war. Yes, you yeah. Know, Nothing good. It, ever if you were not sold on Peter Capaldi as the Doctor at that point, then that's it's all over. Yeah, it's not going to you know, work that's, for you. Then. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, he was walking around the floor at New York Comic Con, and I was like on my way to Comic Con, but Seymour uh-huh. was already there, and uh-huh. I was like. On the floor, Peter Capaldi, find him, go! Oh, we were just <laughs> we were, like, trying we were so hard. We were all over that place looking for him. We couldn't find him. Oh, man. That's so sad. I would have been like, I don't know what would have happened. Like, what was going to happen when you caught him? I caught him. What do I, I do? I guarantee he would have been, he would have been gracious and happy to hear, talk to you and, and shake your hand and whatnot, because that's the kind of guy he is. I'm this box for my girlfriend. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, getting back to the show now, what yes. was it like uh, actually like booking Colin Baker? Was it like, like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm doing this? Like, um, I'll tell you, that was one of those those moments where the reality of what we are doing kind of sunk in. Um, I mean, it, the, the great thing... For, 
I'm going to use an anecdote from the first show when we brought in Gigi Edgley from Farscape. Um, By the way, so freaking nice. Oh, my God. She was amazing. Absolutely so much fun. We had such a great weekend with her. And the the cool thing about Gigi is she reached out to us personally. That's what blew our minds because Dan got the first email saying, hey, you know, I'm going to be in the area and and I know that you got a first year show. I've heard about it. A couple of booking agents were talking about it. If you, you know, if you want some extra, you know, people on the floor, I'd be happy to, to, to set something up for you. And, and so Dan sends it to me and we're talking about, we're like, that's got to be the weirdest booking agent ever to talk in the first person of the, of the actual guest. And, and so he reaches out to the person thinking, he reaches out to Gigi thinking it's the agent. And he's like, yeah, we'd love to talk to Gigi. That'd be great. Yeah, we, we were both big fans of hers. And, you know, we'd let, and she goes, and then the, the response was, no, I am Gigi, honey. And <laughs> it becomes mind numbing that things like that will happen. You know, you, you don't, when you, when you take on this project of creating a convention at the outset, you don't think moments like this are going to happen. And then, so fast forwarding to answer your question, see, um, you know, we're sitting there and, and we're going back and forth and we're like, you know, we really want to see if we can be, bring in a, a good, solid name recognition guest. And, you know, Brian and I have been diehard Doctor Who fans forever, so we say, well, let's get a doctor. And, you know, we were talking to Sylvester McCoy's agent, but, you know, that we couldn't work that out because he's busy. Peter Davidson already been to the region within the past six or seven months. We didn't want to do a repeat thing, although we would love to meet Peter soon in the, in the future. Yeah. And we're like, well, let's reach out to Colin and see what happens. And And not only was he and his agent the single most gracious people that we'd ever interacted with. I mean, because, you know, they're British, and British do everything right. <laughs> um, but they were, like, also encouraging, like, hey, have you thought about this? And, hey, we can do this. And, oh, by the way, when when, the sh- when you do the show, we can do this sort of thing to have fun with the fans and whatnot. And, 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 and like, okay, this this is my life now. This is what happened just now. We're having a discussion with Colin Baker, who is known around the damn world. And it's like mind-blowing. It's one of those reality check moments where you kind of sit there. I'm sitting at my desk here in the, at home and I'm just it, reading the email saying, yes, we have signed him. Yes, this is official. And, and I'm just staring at the screen going, what the hell just happened? You know? Who am I? What life Who, is this? Yeah. What did I do? Where did I go with this? You know? <laughs> it, it is a really cool feeling. It is just, it's amazing. Now, I've definitely had those those moments, you know, like booking guests for the podcast. Like, okay, yes, you want to be on my show? Like, <laughs> us? Yeah, really? <laughs> yeah. Thank you. You know, that's the that's the thing, and it's just like, oh my god, this is amazing. This is charmed. You know, when when um, like many years, ago, I was volunteering for another show, and I got to meet Vic Minona, the the, the voice actor, oh, and Elric. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and now Captain Kirk in Star Trek continues the fan film, um, and. At that same convention was uh, John Paladin, who has run conventions on his own, but also did a lot of the Klingon makeup for Deep Space Nine. And I ended up taking those two men out to dinner with my son, Ian. Ian, I think, was like nine or ten at the time. So here's the four of us sitting at the table. We're at the, I don't even remember where we were. I think it was the Outback Steakhouse of all places. You know, and I'm sitting here having dinner with Vic Minona and John Paladin, and we're talking about Star Trek and all of its wonder and all the people that John has worked with and all the people that John have met, he's telling anecdotes about Patrick Stewart. And he's talking about the time he had poker with, with Jonathan Frakes and, and how Marina oh, Sirtis wow. is so, you know, such a sweet lady. And, and Gates McFadden is this absolutely lovely woman. You get me. And then he was talking, he was, he was throwing Will Wheaton under the bus because, well, everybody does. And, <laughs> you know, and, and I'm looking forward to meeting Will Wheaton one of these days. I mean, seriously, it's just, 
you sit there and you have these moments of like, what, where, what did I do right for a change? How did this happen? This is amazing. <laughs> you just kind of learn to enjoy it as best you possibly can. Yeah, uh, this might be a throwback to the internet. I don't even know if anyone will get the joke, but do you do you remember back in the day when, what's his, uh, when, I don't even know how to say his last name ever, Vic Min- Mignona, is that how you say it? Minona. Minona. When he would do, like, uh, conventions, and they would make him say weird things as Ed Elric, and one of them yes. was, Colonel Mustang is dead sexy in a miniskirt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but I remember I, watching, like, YouTube videos upon YouTube videos of him doing it at different conventions. So if I, I ever have met him, I'd be like, TBT, do that I have for seen me. him do Samuel Jackson's speech in Pulp Fiction. Uh... <laughs> In the voice of Edward Elric. Oh my god, perfect. Oh, and I'm telling you, I'm crying. I'm laughing so hard in the back of the room. He I mean, has yet to sit through a full Metal Alchemist, even though it's like literally, I think, one of the greatest shows of all time, not to mention animes. I think it's just extremely well written and so amazing and captivating, and I love the art so much. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm about to lose some points, and I apologize ahead of time, but anime's really never been my thing. Uh, yeah. I, oh, I'm in the same boat. Like, you know, I, I'll sit and I'll watch some of it. I'll, I'll sit and I'll watch some of it. There's there's a couple of them that have had my attention over the years, like Hero Tales. For some reason, I I rode that all the way to the end, and uh, you know Avatar: The Last Airbender. Oh it, it speaks to the soul of everybody because that was one of those anime that was made for a broader audience. It wasn't just for the people who are always into anime. It was it was a story that kind of evolved for for all people to take away something from. So I really enjoyed that. That's another one that's just like an amazing show all around. Yes. Like, not to mention that it's animated like. Just, you could compare it to, uh, oh wow, because, you know, it's been, how many how many minutes have we been in this podcast? I haven't mentioned Buffy. If you could even compare it to Buffy. <laughs> That's going to be a record for you. Yeah. This is a you haven't mentioned time. Buffy in over half an hour? Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. <coughs> we had to create our own. Easy there, Boyle. We had to create our own podcast because that's how often the subject just evolved into Buffy, so. <laughs> It's uh-huh. a good point. You know, I'm working on the panel schedule for the 17 show. I should probably lace in a Buffy fan panel somewhere along yeah. the Oh, hey, yeah. Where you put you? me on that one. I'll moderate. There you go. Okay, I'm going to take you up on that then. I got this. All right. We have a Buffy podcast for all of you listeners who may be listening to this that might not know about it. Uh, called. We're about due for another episode, I'd say, too. Your Arc, which is. Gerg oh, Arc. And yes, you are more than welcome to come on Gerg Arg as well. Um, nice. So, I've, I've had my fair share of enjoying the te- teenage angst of Xander. I'm, I'm, I'm there. I think our, like, this, our main podcast has just become a recruiting vehicle for the Buffy show. Like, yeah, literally. <laughs> everyone wants on board that Buffy podcast, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, but speaking of fandoms and stuff, what other fandoms would you say you're a part of then? Besides? Me personally, that is a great question. Um, and we were actually talking about it during our What Makes a Nerd a Nerd comment uh, uh, podcast yesterday. Doctor Who is always going to be my favorite. Star Wars is right behind it. Um, I remember being six years old when the first Star Wars came out in 1977 because it came out in the spring and I turned seven and later that year. That was a big thing that was very important to me at the time. Um, but my dad, and you know, this is not common for 1977 going to the movie theater over and over and over and over again. Yeah. My dad very patiently took me to the movie theater 12 times <laughs> summer of 1977 so I could see Star Wars 12 times just that summer alone and uh, and, and he and I still joke about that all the time you know whenever I when he and I have lunch together um, 
But yeah, I'd say Doctor Who, Star Wars, Star Trek is always going to be one of those perennial favorites uh, that just are there. There are parts of Star Trek I would like to forget, like Voyager. <laughs> yeah, I have and, a weird, I have a weird relationship with like Star Trek fandom. Like, yeah, I, yes, I, I've kind of like as I'm getting older, I'm like, like growing to appreciate it. But I was a kid, like my uncle was a huge fan of, the, of Star Trek, so I got dragged to every one of those movies. Uh-huh. And like, you know, I'm like six, seven, eight years old at the time. Like, uh, like you know. Yeah, like, we could go not see Star Trek, like you know. Yeah, we could not go see that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you could go, and I'll go see something else. Uh, but like, as I got older, I started like I, I really started getting into it in around like uh, the Voyage Home, Star Trek Four. That okay. Was the first one I remember seeing and actually like, okay, that was pretty good. Yeah. Um, uh, but it's weird how like just now, like this past weekend, I was watching some of the original series, like probably for the first time ever. Yeah, that was pretty bizarre. Okay. I came in yeah. and you were just watching old Star Trek and I was like, that's weird. I'm so yeah, like, I appreciate you. it, but like I'm not into it. Like Right. Yeah, my yeah. parents are Trekkies, so I made it a conscious effort to not like that on purpose. Because <laughs> I was a little rebel and It wasn't cool. Yeah, I was like, ew, you like that? My parents claim that they fell in love watching Rap of Khan. Which is a uh-huh. good way to fall in love, I guess. Um, yes, during a violent battle movie where Spock dies. Yes, exactly. That's it's definitely a romance. Feels. That's a romance movie for the 20th century. Exactly. That's no joke. One of the first movies I ever saw. Really nice. I have a vague recollection of seeing that in the theater. Like it's cool. I'd have been about three years old maybe at the time. It was like 82, right? Oh, 80. Was it 82 or 84? You went to the movie oh. theaters when you were three. Oh yeah. 80. Uh, my I think parents it was didn't let me go until I was older because I couldn't sit still. I still can't sit still for shit. So I saw <laughs> Pocahontas when I was like four or five. Oh god, I can't remember the first movie I saw in the movie theater. I think it might have been a it might have been a Herbie the Love Bug movie. Oh, I love Herbie. Because <laughs> the seventies were that kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, what are some of my other fandoms? Some of my other fandoms. Um, well, Lord of the Rings is a big thing for me because I've been playing Dungeons and Dragons since I was eighteen, and I'm now forty six. So you do the math there. Um, uh, you know, so Lord of the Rings. Um, Star Wars, Doctor Who, Star Trek to a particular degree. I guess a lot of the, the shows that are out these days, the CW, um, DC shows like oh, Arrowverse. Yeah. I love it, all of that stuff. And Supernatural, you throw that in there. You know, everybody's fighting over Sam and Dean. I just want to see Charlie one more time, you know? <laughs> uh, the weirdest thing about Supernatural, I just got into Gilmore Girls. Okay. And I just started watching it. Yeah. And they have Dean on the show who is Sam. Yes. So it's very weird, like watching it backwards. Like I and just, watching, yeah, so watching somebody call him Dean, and you're like, no, that's Sam. Yeah, I'm just like, that's not right. And then, <laughs> yeah, but I used to like kind of like passively watch Gilmore Girls, like when it was on, but I didn't really like pay attention. But yeah, I, I feel like I'm more into Supernatural than I was into Gilmore Girls, but now other way around. So now I'm just like, that's Dean, but it's Sam. It's just odd. Because of, because of my wife, I have the DVD collections for both Gilmore Girls and Charmed. Oh man, that's that's a right. life. That's and, that's awesome. And, char- and charmed, by the way, I, 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 that's the first time I've actually called it charmed in a very long time. Typically, I call it the magical Hooter Club. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I like it. So it was fun. I, I never you know, got I, into charmed either. I, you know, between- it was too it was too Aaron spelling for me. It really yeah, was. It always seemed like Buffy light to me. Yeah, yeah. Yes, thank I'm you. Just like, why would you watch charmed when you can watch Buffy, which yeah. Is, yeah. has witches? So <laughs> it has Dark Willow. Damn it, she flays people. <laughs> 
And this is where I knew I was a better writer than the people who were on Charmed because and it, it actually inspired me to start writing again because when they handled the whole, well, we're going to fire Shannon Darty because everybody does. And, uh, well, how do we work around that? Oh, now mystically there's a new fourth sister. Oh, no, guys, no, no, bad, no, don't do it. And they did it, and it was it's bad. so weird because a couple of conventions that we've been to have had Shannon Doherty as, as a guest. Mm-hmm. Bill her as like charms Shannon Doherty. And I'm like, but didn't she get fired from the? Like, why does she want to be known for that? Like, there's not the- a job that Shannon Doherty hasn't been fired from. I mean, I I don't want to slam her too hard because I I want to respect the the actress for what she's going through. She's fighting breast cancer right now. So all my love to, to Shannon Doherty for you know fight the fight the good fight, sweetheart. Wear pink and go for it. Um, but you know, as an actress, it, no, I can't I can't support Shannon Doherty as an actress. It's just it's like you've got the skills, just. Calm the hell down backstage, would you? Yeah. You know? yeah so. 902.0, um, I will say. I got really into that because I watched the reboot and then mm-hmm. I got back into the old ones, which uh-huh. once uh, again used to watch yeah. very over my head at the time. But <laughs> yeah. But I, I'm a big fan the... of anything that's like trashy and horribly written, I guess. Well, okay, so you like the uh, the evening news then now too? <laughs> <laughs> I love reality shows too. Like, Real- I mean, oh, see, that's where we're going to diverge from each other, my dear. Reality TV, I think, is 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 one of the cancers on society at this time. Here, here, I totally that show being on is taking away the jobs of like writers, you know, actors, like people who like really like. Who are you to do this? Like who are trained to do yeah. this stuff? Like you know, craft me a good story, please. That's what I. Want. If I'm going to turn the TV on, I want to see a decent story. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, unless I mean, it's... I'm not against all reality TV. I was going to say yeah. on reality TV, so you barely yeah. say shit. But I think like when you're getting into shows that like are just like clearly not reality, like like half of like the stuff that I, I think they're kind of going away from this now. But like true TV used to be all like shows about like you know t- towing companies in the south, and then they were all like. Just completely like, made up scenarios. Like none of this is real. Why, why is this on TV? You know? Yeah, they used to have like reality TV game shows that were obviously fake too. Like a Fox right. would do a lot of them. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. it was, like it was like everyone's living in this hotel and they're all yeah. It just it's, it was weird. But um, yeah, I like am shamelessly addicted to Teen Mom and Seamart like wants to break the television every time I watch it. <laughs> Just like a lot of people crying over things and like making ugly crying faces, but hey, it's entertaining. Sometimes you gotta turn your brain off for a little bit. Oh, amen to that. That that leads to my rule of um of how I handle uh, going to the movie theater. If if some because it's so expensive these days, if something ain't blowing up, I'm not going. Yeah, <laughs> you know, because I can see independent movies and I can see yeah, all the. There was a time when I could afford to go see like a chatty indie movie. Uh... Yeah, I, I got I got the setup at home for that now. I don't I don't need anything fancy now. But if I'm going to the movie theater and I'm going to blow sixty bucks, then because uh, I'm bringing four people, then I want to see some blow some stuff explode. Well, Star Wars will not disappoint you. No, well, have you seen Rogue One? Yes, oh, yeah, absolutely amazing. I thought so too. I was very pleased. I'm due for another seat viewing of that because I've only seen it once. You saw it. Okay. Once. Yeah. See, yeah, that's the that's that's the sign. If you if you have not seen it enough. Then um, that's a good sign of a good movie, right there. Yeah, I could go for what, like one more showing. I think and it'll be good. I, uh, I just, I really, I really, really, really hope they keep up the streak of like just really good quality movies that Disney's putting yeah. out for Star Wars. Like you Disney know, in general. I'm a little on the fence with the Han Solo movie. I really like that. You know, uh, Donald Glover is uh, Lando. 
Yeah. I don't know about this pretty boy they have as Han Solo, but whatever, you know, I'll give him a shot. Like, who is it? Uh, I don't even know his name. Just some Here, look it up. Let me yeah. see if I can find out who they've cast. Because I didn't even, I didn't recognize the kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that would be hilarious. Let's see who comes up here. It is Alden er- Ehrenrich. Ehrenrich. I don't yeah, know. That's I've never right, even yeah. heard of him, so... Um, I've never am I either. But I mean like when you like when you when you hear Disney's taking over Star Wars, like did you ever think you were gonna get a movie like Rogue One? Like like, like no. a gritty, like just down like downer of a movie, like you know, spoilers, everybody dies. Yeah, literally. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have guessed that they that that's what that movie would have been like. I was just like But I think they understand that it, it is Star Wars. You know? Mm-hmm. Exactly, and and um, where was I going? I had a thought and I lost it because you know I'm old. Um, oh, darn it! Oh, so let me so let me ask you this. So we're, we're talking about Star Wars. We've done our, our Doctor Who uh, tangent there. We we just did um, a podcast for Monkey Business discussing the we armchair quarterback to the passing of Carrie Fisher. So let me get your take on it. Okay. We we weren't we were not unanimous in our decision making process, but. The, the bulk of us were of the opinion that to to handle the fact that this character is so important to the mythology of Star Wars, and I, I would almost hazard to say that the 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 actor as as important and iconic as she is is not as important as the character. So we were of the opinion, okay, she had her her brief brief part in seven. She's supposed to have more of a part in eight. She's finished her primary filming, so it's not going to have any effect on eight. But then the rumor was that she was supposed to have this dramatic major role in nine. Yeah. Do you recast the part? We were of the opinion, yes, you recast the part because an off-screen death or an off-screen kind of, you know, writing the character off um, almost feels like just as much of an insult as 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 um. Yeah, you can't. You can't have that character just die off screen. And you just can't have the next movie start with well, well that sucked. Like you know, you know. Yeah, no, I, I mean, obviously the, fair. you know, the the audience would have to be understanding to the vir- you know, the, the actress is gone. All right, yeah, we, I, mean, I was just saying, like, you know, in terms of like importance, not only to the story, but culturally as well, you can't you can't do that to that character. Like that yeah. that character is, it's like the you know, a lot of, I've heard a lot of uh, people say like since she's passed, like she's the first like. <laughs> First girl I ever saw in a trading card. Like first girl I ever saw shoot somebody. Like the first like mm-hmm. pr- princess who kicked ass, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, you. I um, I, I'm almost ashamed to say this. I am not opposed to them using CGI like they did with like Grand Moff Tarkin. That was that was two parts creepy and six parts awesome at the same time. Yeah, it was yeah. just wild to see that. that you know, I'm like, I remember seeing Tarkin come onto the screen for the first time, and I'm like, they finally did it. They have resurrected the dead for Hollywood. That is amazing. See, I, I, I'm like very torn about that because I like 100. percent Like I feel like rather than recast it, they should be like you know did like doing that sort of thing. Like well, they've already announced in an article a couple yeah, of days ago that they've agreed but, to so no CGI. So it's either you write her out or you recast. Yeah, I and recast. at that point it's just recast cuz uh, if the if the family doesn't want you have to really respect the family's wishes. Exactly. In the case. So exactly. if the family doesn't want her image being used like that, then yeah. Which to me I thought for sure they were going to do that with her because she was uh I was watching a thing with her and then she was saying that they own her basically. They own well, I mean, they own her like they own her likeness until the end of 9. Huh. 
Huh. Yeah, yeah, and basically, and that was mainly for merchandising facts, I think, at this point. But I think they're going to use it as a loophole at this stage too. Um, but you know, and that was that was the point I was trying to make um, yesterday to the, to my gang was you know it, this doesn't have to be a a franchise type of a thing. It's not oh well, this will be Princess Leia for all these movies to come. Um, this we just need somebody to take us home, somebody to get us to the finish line on this last saga movie, and then we can put the whole Skywalker saga to bed, and you can do whatever you want from there. And um, and we came up with some names of who we would like to see if if a recast was the way to go. Now, I, what I want to do is I'm going to turn it around on you guys. I'm going to interview you for a moment. You tell me who you think if if they would go that way, who would it be? Meryl Streep. I was going to say that. <laughs> literally Meryl Streep can play Batman. Should be the right choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to go with like a heavy hitter like that. Somebody who's like who, Plus, could, who could make you who could like take you out of the fact that you're not seeing Carrie Fisher. But at right? the same time, right. Meryl Streep and Carrie Fisher are very close friends, so uh-huh. I think it would be a nice homage to her. Also, like yeah. once her friend took up the man before her. But but Meryl Streep is so overrated. No, I, oh my God. <laughs> I was like about to go in fist flying when I was reading those. I was just like, oh, oh I know. Well, that's what we get for insanity. But anyway. You know, we talked about Meryl Streep. We're like, you know, I wonder if this is actually kind of her thing. But we were also, we, we ran a couple of uh, other names by. We talked about stuff, people like uh, Mary Steenburgen. Who has a very similar look? Yeah. Uh, one of uh, Tanya actually brought up the idea of bringing Natalie Portman back for that kind of tongue-in-cheek full circle. But Hollywood makeup, uh, the prowess that it has, would be able to age her up to sixty to make it look convincing. And you give her good writing, and it gives her an opportunity to redeem herself in the eyes of Star Wars fans. Even, yeah. You could even get her daughter to do it if you put good enough Billy makeup Lord's- on her. Well, Billy, Billy uh, already has a bit part, and she's supposed to be taking a little bit more spotlight time in, in Episode 8 this yeah. December, so look forward to seeing that. Um, and then, towards the end of the conversation, we found a, a great nod. Uh, somebody had kind of beat us to the punch on this one, but Tanya had been doing some research while we were talking about other things, and all of a sudden, this face popped up. And there were side by side comparisons with Carrie Fisher, and that you, you, when you when I say this name, you're going to kind of get you're going to have to stop and think about it for a moment. Stevie Nicks. Huh. Yeah, you know, I totally see that actually. Yeah. All right, they're the same height, same build, same age. They got the same voice, that same kind of gravelly rattle, you know, that earthy kind of gypsy yeah. rap they have. And and you know, Stevie has stage presence. She's proven that time and time and time again. So what, as soon as that got thrown out there, I was like. I'm now sold on this. I want to start a campaign, Stevie Nicks, to play Princess Leah. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy, and I know people are going to want to throw harpoons at me for it, but there you have it. But, I mean, there's really, like, no other way around it. Like, you have to, like, I think it's the best way to, because, again, if, if you don't have that character there, it's a disservice to the character, and I think it's, I think it's even, that's an even bigger, like, pull you out of the story moment, not having her there, than seeing somebody else playing that character. <laughs> Like it just it just wouldn't make sense. The character just gone all of a sudden. Yeah, I agree. I think that 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 it wouldn't be as distracting to have her being played by someone else as to not have her at all. Yeah. Oh. See, we we can keep going. Yeah. What a well, well, podcast thing. Like, I'm telling you, let's let's solve the problems of Marvel comic book universe. Yeah, let's do that. No, I'm kidding. Because <laughs> that I don't have time for that. So that was easy. Maybe we don't need a giant event every six months. Yeah, I know that was kind of crazy, and and another civil war kind of threw me off. But yeah, hey, I, uh, I spent I, I, it. I spent my money on it. I, I'll admit it. I start, I'm, <laughs> I'm perpetually like eight months behind in the Marvel universe because I I mainly read everything via through the Unlimited app. Okay, so, like, I just started reading that. Like, there's just okay. no reason for this. Like, uh. I haven't kept up with comics in months 
honestly, because yeah. of work and school. So, yeah, I've never been a Marvel person. I've always been strictly DC, but uh-huh. I, I can't even tell you what happened in, like, the last... I am so far gone out of DC. Like, I used to read Batman monthly, but like, I'm just so far gone out of the whole universe. You guys okay over there? A little dry over in the, that neck of the woods? No, we, uh, we've both been sick for the past oh. year. We I'm sorry to hear that. No, no worries. We're, we're at the end of it. We, we were supposed to do another interview <coughs> earlier today, and we actually postponed because like, I was really wheezy this morning. Uh-huh. So uh, we're trying. We're trying. If you hear us cough in the background, that's what it is. Yeah, that's what I, happens. I, we like get sick, and then we bounce it off of each other, so we both yes. are just like, perpetually sick. But um, I, have, I have two teenagers at home. They love to share. Yeah, <laughs> so um yeah, no, as far as comics that I read now, like, literally, mm-hmm. I say it all, all the time, the ones that I read are IDW titles, like, uh-huh. I love Gem and the Holograms, obsessed, um, and I've read, like, a lot of the Ghostbuster stuff lately, I'm, like, really into, but, yeah. Anyway, getting back to, uh, back to FlowerCon. Please. What, uh, what would you say is your favorite aspect of cons, the thing that maybe you're, you're most trying to, you know represent here with like Flower City. Okay, my favorite aspect. Oof, you know, everything is the cheap cheap answer, but I really do enjoy the panels. That's I think that's what kind of why I adopted them to and and really for me it's the key to the whole the whole kit and caboodle. Uh primarily because when I'm in a panel room with people who really care about the subject matter and I see their excitement and I see their passion for these characters and these stories, that just that I, I feed off of that, you know, like what, you know, it, the Doctor Who panel is easy for me because I'm such a big fan of it. Um, you know, but when I'm in the supernatural panel, which I'm not as big a fan of, but I still enjoy it. But to see these people talking about the dynamics of the brothers and talking about Castiel and talking about the storylines and the, and the monsters they fought and, and how much they get into it and seeing the people's eyes lighting up. I absolutely love that. When I, when I see that, when I see them enjoying themselves, that's, it's, it's just, it's an amazing feeling. And so that's why I really kind of stick close to the panel room the most. Yeah, I can definitely understand that. It's, I mean, it's very similar to podcasting. I mean, in, yes. Like, before there were podcasts, like, this is where you would go to get, like, those deep conversations about, you know, whatever you're into, whatever fandom mm-hmm. you love. Like, you wouldn't get that anywhere else. Um, you know, I'm not to say that, like, podcasting is taken away from that. I mean, it's still, <laughs> it's still different when you're all, when you're in a room with, like, dozens upon dozens of people and you're all just kind of, keyed into that same thing. Yeah, it's cool, because, I mean, honestly, like, from when I first started to go to, like, cons, the panels is, like, where, kind of, like, you make friends. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's that community, like, it's, like, a smaller... It's, you know, where you, like, identify, you, yeah. you identify the community, like, the us of, like, the comic community, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is why, like, you know, those, uh, like, the big, the industry panels are great and all, but, like, the fan panels, I think, are where, that's, like, the meat and the potatoes of <laughs> yeah. convention, you know? People want to get together. They want to be able to share why they love the things they love. Exactly. Um, on a, one of the best panels I've been to lately was uh, we went to a con out in Minnesota. Uh-huh. And there, your con kind of reminds me of this convention. It's a nonprofit as well. It's called Convergence. It's really okay. fun. I talk about it a lot on this podcast. For I've heard of them. Listening. Um, and they, you know, they have like a huge panel schedule and one of the best ones that I went to was a Hamilton one. And okay. it was about, like, comparing Hamilton to, like, science fiction, which is, like, two uh, completely different things. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it was it was fun. And plus, it was a main stage panel, and they had a camera, and I got to ask a question, 
and they broadcast things from their main panel room on the hotel TV. Oh, so cool. Sweetheart was sleeping upstairs in the room, and he heard me and was like, what's happening? But then realized <laughs> that was TV. Have so, I reached the twilight funny. zone? Yeah. So, where is she? She's in the television. I just, you know, as much as we hung out the weekend you were in town to help us out with the 16 show, my, my favorite memory of you right now is you molesting Oliver Queen. Yes! Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, that seems to be um, a That's real... That's burned into my brain at this point. That That honestly has to be like a kind of a trend that I do because I did it on television when Cere- I was like cutting. Serial molester is what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, serial molester of Oliver Queens specifically <laughs> as we have a giant Oliver Queen cardboard cutout standing in the living room. <laughs> Alright, I'm making you guys tea. I'll be out in a couple of hours to deliver it. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop an anecdote. Um, you know, everybody has that moment in jobs that they do. If, if you really love what you do, you have that moment called the golf shot. You know, where, you know, if you're playing a round of golf and you're firing one into the woods, you're firing one into the water, you have that one perfect shot that goes right down the middle and it looks gorgeous. It's like you're a professional golfer. And that's the one that keeps you playing, right? Yeah. So that's so, right. I meant to do that, yeah. yeah. So my golf shot moment was actually a few, it was. Uh, late summer, so it was many months after the show had actually gone off, and I'm at the comic book shop I go to on a regular basis here in town, and I'm picking up my usual stack, and there's this, there's this girl, and she was at the register, and she had a Rock City Roller Derby t-shirt on, and we had had the Rock, Sol- Rock City Roller Derby at the convention, and we're going to be having them again at the 17th show, uh, and they were so much fun to have. They had such a great time with the crowd. We had and a dance like, party with them, actually. Yeah. And, and so I looked at her, and I'm like, oh, Rock City Roller Derby. Yeah, we had you guys at the convention. And she looked at me. She smiled. She goes, yeah, that's where I met them. I became a part of them because I met them at MC- FC3. Oh, that's awesome. And I'm like, holy crap. If, if nothing else could validate doing that show for me, that moment did it. Oh, and I'm it like, brings people together, you know? Exactly. I mean, that was like, holy crap, did I actually help make that happen? And th- and she loves it. She's totally into it now. You know, it's like, I just, just, okay, I helped give somebody a new hobby, for God's sake. How can that be a bad thing? You know, where so it that, all comes together. you know, exactly, where it all comes together. So, you know, if, if there's anything, what do I love about the show? It's, it's seeing people's eyes light up when they see something they've never expected to or something they've been dying to see forever. Yeah. That's that's like the big thing for me. That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> um, where can everybody get some more information on the show? Let them, uh, let them point the uh, point them to where they should go. Our biggest uh, our biggest source of information we're always posting to our Facebook. So if you go to to Facebook and you look for FC three uh, on Facebook, you'll find us. Um, the exact website would be www.facebook.com slash FC three R O C. Uh, we also have a website, um, which is fc3roc.com, uh, but that is currently going through a redesign phase at this time, so maybe a little jumbled, a little hard to, to deal with at the moment. Um, but Facebook, we're always posting. Uh, there's always something, every, if not every day, every other day, we're posting something to Facebook. We do all of our big announcements on Facebook at the moment, uh, and then we will make sure everybody's aware that our, our, our main web page is up and at full speed uh, as soon as it is complete. All right. Well, May twentieth and twenty first. If you're in yes, Rochester, or you should get yourself to Rochester. Yeah, we'll be there. We will be Come there. Come hang out. We'll be at the Floriano Rochester Riverside Convention Center, which is connected to two hotels. Hint, hint, to make life easier for people uh, <laughs> through Sky Bridges over South Avenue and, and uh, Main Street. We're connected to the Hyatt and the Radisson. 
Uh, and uh, so there's plenty of, everything is downtown, so everything will be easy to get to. So you just travel right into town, get your hotel, come to the show, hang out, and have a good time. All right, well, Chris, thank you so much for uh, talking Yay. with us today. Guys, thanks for having me on board. It was awesome talking to you two today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. You're welcome back anytime. Uh, hey, whenever you need uh, an extra pair of uh, lungs to, to scream and, and, and uh, shout about how great stuff is, I will be happy to join. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Well, thank you uh, for listening, everybody. This has been Transmissions from the Evil Air. I'm Seymour. I'm Anita Wendy. And uh, one last uh, gigantic thank you to our guest, Chris Frank. Thanks again, guys. It was great to have you. Or great to be with you. Yeah. That too. I'm so used to my own podcast. <laughs> it's great having here. Wait. Yeah. <laughs>